Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Project Loving Myself podcast is brought to you by Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics. I, I love this mindset of if you don't evolve, you repeat. And I think that's what we all need to do because we need to evolve. You're listening to Project Loving Myself podcast. A well-being podcast that shares stories of self-love, mental fortitude, and self-discovery. Hosted by life designer and well-being coach, Sanaya Gurnamal. Hi, I'm Sanaya Gurnamal and this is the Project Loving Myself podcast. Join me each week as we navigate through aha moments, new ideas, and flashes of insight from candid conversations that inspire you to get started on your own project of loving yourself. Because the most important relationship you will ever have is the relationship that you have with yourself. You matter. This is Project Loving Myself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of the Project Loving Myself podcast. I am your host, Sanaya Gurnamal, life designer, well-being coach, speaker, and founder of the Third Eye Wellness Wellbeing Center in the Philippines. Our episode today, The Fashion of Wellbeing, is about finding symmetry and balance between our inner and outer world. And who better to school us in designing our well-being lifestyle than our guest today? In a 2019 interview in the Philippine Star, our guest said, Fashion designers are purveyors of dreams and illusionists. Fashion designers are sort of like fairy godmothers with magic wands who create and sell fantasies. So let's meet this man with a magic wand, designer extraordinaire. I am very honored to introduce my guest today who has dressed Filipino presidents, celebrities, and movie stars across the world. Rahul Laurel is one of the top Filipino fashion designers in the world. Not only has he received numerous awards, showcases, and accolades all across the globe, but he has also been the TV personality judge on Project Runway Philippines. As both a designer and entrepreneur, he has mastered the balance between artistry and business. He runs the creative arm of several companies, including Rahul Laurel Enterprises, a design-driven couture house, Laurel at Ross Enterprises, a corporate uniforms company, House of Laurel Inc., and Rahul Stores. He is definitely a man of intrigue, an individual with the power to connect and move people through his art, business, and creations. And interestingly enough, he uses his social media platform, to influence people with positive and uplifting messages, which is what caught my eye. So without further ado, I give you Raho Laurel. Good morning, Tanaya. Good morning, Raho. I am very excited to have you on this show, on this very special episode. How are you feeling? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I love that color. We need that color in our lives more often. That orange is giving me life. (laughs) 
you know, it was it was kind of a gray day yesterday. So I woke up this morning and I said, I need color. You know, I need to be bright today. No, right? Color has such a strong energy and uh, it really suits your, your, your view so well. Looks lovely. Thank you so much. So, you know, that's actually a really good question for me to ask. How do you feel about color therapy, Raho? I'm going to dive right in since you talked about color. How do you feel about color therapy? I am so big on color therapy, uh, but I only wear black when I'm at work. Uh, a color therapist once told me, and I've been doing it for more than 15 years, that you should wear certain colors to attract, to attract positive energy. So let me tell you, it, it really helps me. On Mondays, you wear white. On Tuesdays, you wear pink or red. Okay. On Wednesdays, you wear purple or lavender. On Thursdays, you wear blue. All right. On Fridays, it's green. Saturdays, it's black. And Sundays, it's yellow. And it works for everyone. And essentially, I usually, because I don't wear a lot of color, I actually wear these in my feet. So I have colorful socks. Oh, I bet that's something nobody knew. Well, very close, only my close friends and only those who ask. Socks are a very interesting um, place to put color in because you might uh, know or not know that the feet have a very strong sense of energy and chakra. It sounds like in Tagalog, Nuni Nuni or Mumbo Jumbo in English, but it kind of helps me. It helps me sort of like at least draw from that, that if my day starts, because obviously you start by wearing color as you um, go on to your day. Somehow it helps me have a better day and it has worked so far. So color has a very strong sense of um, power in, my, in me and in my line of work. And I love color. It's just that I don't like color near my face because I want to look thin and black. <laughs> it's like black is really everyone's favorite color when it comes to dressing up. But I'm actually, I'm a big believer in color therapy. I do understand completely like, you know, the, the meridians and the feet also, you know, they, they should be really grounded to, to, you know, Mother Earth. And also, of course, the color makes a big difference in how we feel. And color is vibration. So sometimes, you know, when you're feeling low and you just you know, wear a brighter color, it really makes a difference, you know, so I'm with you. You have a favorite color? My favorite color is white. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Mine's pink. <laughs> pink. Color of love and heart chakra. Yeah, I love pink. <laughs> yeah, amazing. Okay, so I have so many questions for you, Raho. I'm just really interested in you. And I really have to share with listeners, you know, how you just was one of the first people that I wanted to interview on the show. And this is because I've been following you on social media. And of course, I know of you as a very successful fashion designer. I love what you create. I've been to a few of your fashion shows. You know, it's really fashion is the first thing that I think of when I, when I think of Raho. You know, in recent months, I've been noticing a lot of your social media posts. And every time I read something by you, I have to stop, Raho. And it's, you know, you, you really post beautiful images of nature and design and so on. But it's really these posts that you put and they're all black with the white letters. And they are like profound statements about life, you know, things that I completely resonate with. And I'm just thinking, wow, what is going on in this person's mind to be able to understand this to talk about these things and you know to take the time to post it 
You know, it's, it's like you have something to say and you are saying it in your own way without kind of imposing it on people, which I love. So tell me about this. Well, thank you, Sanaya. First, I post a black background on white text because it's easier to read. Um, essentially, I'm already hitting midlife and I wear glasses all the time. And a black background on white text is easier to read. So I just do it for me. And it really began, I had a very low point about maybe a decade ago. And I... Um, uh, sought help. I believe in therapy. And my therapist told me that, you know, every morning, tell something to yourself. So it's actually started on Twitter. Every morning, just tell something to yourself that what's going in your head. It's almost like I actually post it right after I meditate. I meditate maybe 15, 20 minutes right after I wake up and essentially tell myself, what do you want to tell yourself? What are you going through? And essentially, I just sort of like think what I want to tell myself during that day. And perhaps that's why it's resonating so much with you and with my followers, because we're literally in the same place. We're all happening towards this situation, which is really not easy. I mean, I'm, I mean, yeah. today, really, it was, it was particularly uh, difficult because I was sent text messages that I should extra be extra vigilant because all our hospitals are full and it's the numbers are going up again and a lot of my friends are scared and a lot of my friends are worried. So, I mean, I use my social media platform not only to sort of like really make me happy, but hopefully when I um, share it, because it's not easy. This is probably an unprecedented time in my in our all our lives. And in, in fact, even if I'm not glad that we're doing this, I'm glad that at, at least we're able to sort of like social media or the internet has yeah. that particular power because it's it's a tool and I choose to use it as a positive tool not as a destructive tool like with anything a hammer can build homes but a hammer can also sort of like break things so when you look at a hammer you actually have to think what can a hammer do so you use that particular tool towards something that will be more beneficial to those who see it. So it's very important for me to, to do that. So it started very inwardly and then I had to sort of like mirror it because my therapist said, say it to yourself in the mirror. But there's something about a written text that makes it really tangible. And that's why I like reading mm -hmm. it and I like writing it and I like um, researching on it because at one point or another, it's different when it's there right in your face rather than Yes. yourself in the mirror. Rahul, that's really beautiful and you're so spot on. I'm a well-being coach and what you're talking about are many tools that I do share with my clients. So first of all, you know, starting your day with meditation, that's perfect. And then, you know, what you're doing is a bit of introspection and then you're putting what you're you know, what thoughts you have into an affirmation. So essentially what you're doing is you are channeling your mind in a positive direction. And I think this is something that, you know, a lot of people are trying to start doing. They don't know how to do it. So tell me a little bit about your meditation practice. And then how do you kind of figure out what's going on in your space and then turn that into words. And you're also, you know, you're totally right about writing it down because whenever we write things down and we kind of say it to other people, in essence, we're teaching it to other people. We're learning it ourselves. We're learning it at a very deeper level. So I love what you said, but I want to know more. So 
Tell me more about this. Maybe, maybe after this, I should sign up for your class. <laughs> um, this is essentially, I, I began in the early days meditating with music. And I have, I just make a favorite list and I start listening listening to it. And then eventually now I, I try to meditate alone with, with just the sounds of, of, of around me. And I, right in the beginning, I was very distracted with a lot of things. That's why I needed music to focus. But now because I'm, my practice has been going on for quite some time, I'm able to sort of like just meditate anywhere. I literally just close my eyes and focus on a certain uh, mindset. Normally it's a thought or normally it's just sort of like, a, and I know again, it might sound mumbo jumbo, but I really focus on the light source. Not mumbo jumbo to me at all. It's it, I'm a little embarrassed to, to talk about it only because it's some it seems abstract to, yeah. to, to when, when intangible yeah, yeah. Intangible, intangible rather you're so right but for me it just helps me focus so I focus on a white light I close my eyes and essentially I breathe and I I I, I begin first by focusing on listening to the outside. And I'm very lucky because I quarantined in, in, in our beach house, which is very yeah. entrenched in nature. So there was lots, there were very little distraction. It was all so pleasant. Birds, uh, waves, wind, and the, the way it's rustling with the trees. So it was very, very actively positive. So in fact, the funny thing yeah. this year was I, I always make myself a vision board. And I panicked because it was this year I didn't I wasn't able to make one. I don't know why. It was strange because I in fact I told my close friends and my sister I was having anxiety attacks. I said, my, my vision board is blank. I couldn't seem to pin or just do anything. And then my sister said, you know, I know what you're going through. It's your 25th year, you just finished your 25th year, the business. Well, this year was essentially my sister advised me and my friends advised me take a sabbatical. I was supposed to go, you know, abroad and take certain classes just to breathe and and walk away from my normal life because I felt stuck. And I think the universe and God gave me this opportunity to really focus on that. So can you imagine for a hundred days, I was just myself and my partner. I didn't even have Wi-Fi. I had LTE and every morning I would go on top of my roof just to sort of like see if I had any messages. But because I was shut out from a lot of things, because um, we built the house really for that, to be able to really just shut out from the world, shut off rather. So for a hundred days, we didn't have Wi-Fi. I didn't have television. I didn't have a radio. I all I had was my phone. I didn't even have my computer. I just had my phone. And my partner and I were scrambling because there was a little piece in our in our in our in our house that had Wi-Fi. So that's where we actually left our phones and charging. But it was wonderful because it gave us a chance to, for me, a chance to really reset, rethink, adjust what I wanted to sort of like pursue. And um, I'm still learning, but. The, but you know, thankfully, I think I'm more grounded and I'm more aware of what to do next. So, so what you went through, Raho, is essentially like a forced retreat. You know, we all go out into a retreat. You know, the whole point is to shut yourself off from regular life, to you know, re-energize, you know, rethink, reevaluate, come back with a fresh mind, and 
And so essentially that's what you got, which is amazing because you got it in such a beautiful place to be. I mean, I would like to be, you know, stuck there in that beautiful home with nature all around you. So I feel very blessed because I didn't even have enough books. I love, I love to read and essentially we were up there with maybe just six, seven books. And it was very funny because it was really more like a realization because I'm a designer and my partner is also a designer, but he's an interior designer. And we in Manila have a large closet full of clothes and stuff. I was stuck there with four shirts, sorry, five shirts and four pairs of shorts. Amazing. As a designer, you'd think like, oh my God, that's the, it's like, the worst thing that could happen. But you know, it was the best thing that could happen because you begin to sort of like realize what is truly important and you begin to really think about what is essential and what is what you want to impart to yourself. And as a person who always would make things with their hands, it was wonderful, a wonderful exercise because you're forced to really be creative with the things you have, which is closer to nature and whatnot. So a lot of people would think that, oh my God, Rahul, you, you must have had a terrible time. But I thought otherwise, I was having the best time. And I'm embarrassed to say that because a lot of people are going through very difficult times during this lockdown and pandemic and still doing uh, so, but look at it in a, in a different perspective. And I think that's what I want to share with you, Sanaya, is yeah. about perspective. And, and Rahul, a lot of people who could have been in the same position as you could have said it was terrible because they had no access to books or, you know, a laptop or Wi-Fi. They had nothing to do. But for you, it was your perspective that you chose to have that, it, that made it such a beautiful experience. So, yes, you're right. You know, everyone's having a very different experience of lockdown. But it's our choice how we decide to look at that experience, whether we can take something positive out of it or we can take something negative out of it. And, you know, in your case, you, you celebrated it. You know, I think you, you conquered it. It was, I'm sure, major. Well, I'm happy. I mean, really, it, it, uh, to, be, to be locked down in a place where I felt really safe secure. I mean, we had very little kisses where we were, uh, the place where we are a bit isolated. So we didn't feel very trapped. Unfortunately, that's, when I'm in the city, I can't help but feel a little bit trapped because of the situation we're all are in. So I'm very mindful of that. And I think also because I learned how to garden and grow things, I started a vegetable patch and it has taught me to be really patient. I think embracing my titoness or my gardening love taught me a lot of things to be more patient because things like that you can't rush because nature you can't rush you need to sort of like just develop it and in a hundred days it was quite interesting because you could see from the little seed you're able to grow things and develop and it becomes sort of like uh, quite beautiful and even just being noticed you just being a little bit more careful of noticing the nuances around you. Like for instance, now that we're in the rainy season, the, the, the greens are getting more lush. We were there right before the summer, so we could see that the trees would would would, would dry up and the, and the and the leaves would fall down. And now they're up again in the same tree that you're looking at for 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 a long time. So I don't know. I mean, I I needed it, and I'm very glad I went through it. And I think with every bit of opportunity life gives you lessons and you basically have to learn from it i i love this mindset of if you don't evolve you repeat yeah and i think that's what we all need to do because we yeah. need to evolve 
We need to move forward, you know? We can't be stuck in the same loop over and over again. And I think that life does give us lessons that are very specific to each of us. You know, for someone who's living a busy life, it's about slowing down. For someone who's perhaps, you know, used to safety and security, it's the insecurity. So we're always challenged with those things that I believe we need to grow from, we need to learn from. So you mentioned, Raho, that, you know, in those hundred days, you you learned what was essential. You, you know, you learned a lot of things about life. So can you share some of those things? I mean, looking back at those hundred, those hundred days, what did you take from that? What are those pearls of wisdom? What are those lessons that you've come out with? Um, for, for, for me, one of the biggest lessons I've learned is simplicity, is that the, superflu- the superfluousness of my industry. I mean, you have to realize I come from an industry of, of, of excess, right. of so much. I come from an industry wherein, you know, my friends used to sort of like, oh, I can't wear that anymore. I posted with an Instagram. <laughs> I I I I I I I come from an excess of this 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 silly unboxing, and the, and you know you 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 throw so many papers and boxes and all you're left with is this little thing that you're supposed to be happy about. But what about all those other things? So there I was really in 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 Nasubu, um, you know, keeping little pieces of paper because I can use it for some some other reason. Uh, other reason or whatnot. For me, it's that. I think that that sounds like contentment to me, like just being content with where you are. But you know, a lot of people, when when I talk about that, a lot of people say, but if you're content, you know, what's going to drive you? You know, what if you just, you don't evolve from there? You don't, you don't grow. You're just there because you know, it feels good and you don't want any more. And so a lot of people are afraid of contentment because it might mean that they lose the drive or the motivation. You have to realize that contentment requires more work because you need to be consistent in requiring that contentment. Essentially, you work Correct. towards that. So for me, it's, it's yeah. never about drive. Obviously, I'm always very ambitious. I'm always very driven. But you need to sort of like now rethink how far do you want to push your ambition that you need to sort of like make sure that everybody's just okay. Okay means that your mind, body, and soul are in this lovely place wherein you try. And, and have you ever stood on, your, on, on, your, on one foot? Have I stood on one foot? Yes, yes, absolutely. Balancing on one foot requires a lot of work. Absolutely. And that is what essentially I'm trying to to, to, to drive that. Yeah. So it's contentment is not easy to achieve. No, not at all. You have to strive forward to, and that's what drives you to, to lead that. And for me, it's, it's, it, it, that's for me is important. It's like standing always on one foot, but having a smile, no matter how difficult it is. <laughs> I am totally with you on that because I think this is what a lot of people don't understand that Balance is not like a one-time thing. It is something that you work on constantly in your life. And it's, it's, it's like you throw in different things into the mix all the time. And then you got to rebalance, recalibrate yourself. And it's also, you know, it's, it's the way I approach myself as well. I always say, you know, I, I love who I am. I accept myself as I am today. And I'm really proud of myself for everything I've done, but I'm still a work in progress. So there's still more to learn and grow. You know, there's endless possibilities 
of who I can be. But at the same time, being who I am still requires work. You know, I still got to make sure I'm balanced in every area. And that's what I'm hearing you say. So I love that, you know, we're, we're so in sync in that. So amazing, really. So I want to go a little bit into your background. Okay. So I heard you wanted to be a fashion designer from a very young age. I think you said that at age 11, you already knew, right? And so you had your calling from a very young age, but how did you know, like, what was it that, you know, that, that made you feel like this is what you were going to do? What drove you? Well, in the my grandmother founded the Repertory Philippines, which is a theater group. And I was a very rambunctious child. And theater was my first initiation to the world of fashion. I remember vividly, I was six years old. The play was The King and I. And the director, Tita Bibot Amador, asked me, okay, Raho, go under the skirt of Anna Leonons. And uh, in that scene, I looked up and I remember she was wearing this huge voluminous skirt. And the costume designer then created this skirt made of bamboo that looked like this giant igloo. I went in there and I was like six years old and I was like so amazed at how the shape was done. I remember vividly, I ran back to the costume people and said, how did you do that? I was six years old. And can you imagine if you're six years old in that particular theater, you realize that a very simple man can be the king of Siam with just a change of costume. And that's what I believe. And you know, because I was surrounded by theater actors, you could really see that transformation. I fell in love with that. And I held on to that particular power. I held on to that particular sense of wonder at how cloth, needle, and thread, a few buttons, can automatically really transform a human being. When I say transform, you literally stand differently. You literally think differently. When Sanaya, when was the last time you, you had that experience? I'm sure you have. When you wear a beautiful dress, you look at yourself in the mirror and you tell yourself, hmm, I think I can conquer the world. This morning. This morning. Good for you. And that doesn't happen all the time. But, but I like to give that to, to, to my clients. I like to be part of that process. And, and that's why I always link it to, I'm your fairy godmother because a lot of times women come to, men and women come to me with certain um, specific goals and desires. Of course, they want a new dress, but why? Sometimes it's a birthday party. Sometimes it's a wedding. Sometimes, but they want to remember that occasion. And you have to sort of like create almost like a modern day adaption of armor. Right. Because as designers, as I said, you are purveyors of dreams. They come to you. They sit with you. They bear your souls. They bear your insecurities. Hide this. Show this. I'm a bit insecure about this. But you then turn that and transform this into sort of like a, a wonderful creation that when they start wearing it, all of a sudden their shoulders are straight. They look at themselves and tell themselves, you're right, Rahul. I feel good. I am beautiful. Right. That's the gift that I love and that's the experience that I cherish. And that's the experience I miss because obviously I haven't been able to do it uh, as often as I want to. I used to do it from Monday to Friday, from 8 a.m. to 7 to 6 p.m. Now, you know, it's very difficult because obviously it's most of the fittings and meetings are like this, but I am able to find new ways to do that. But that's what I love the most. And at the age of 11, I knew that it was going to be possible primarily because my mother went to a designer and I 
after her fainting, I said, mom, I wanna, I really wanna do that. In the beginning, it was very difficult because obviously our parents have a, and you might know this, our parents have a very set way of, I don't, and, and they're very just worried about uh, the future of their children. So being in a conservative family, you had the choice between lawyer, businessman, doctor, uh, or whatnot. And all designer was not really part of that short list of what my parents wanted me to be. But I was very grateful because I had very strong influences. My grandmother and my mother right. were always there to sort of like, you know, prod me regardless of what the, the men in our family uh, would sort of like think. But that side of me really, the tenacious side of me never gave up because all throughout high school, I, I, I was doing it. And in fact, even in, in college, I frauded my father in persuading him to make me go to uh, New York in the premise that I was taking industrial design right. for the fashion, but I shifted right away. But he found out, so he sent me home because he realized that, oh, oh I know what you're doing. So, And I, the, the beauty about this, I was very depressed because he put me back in La Salle uh, here in, in the Philippines and made me finish, forced me to finish a business degree. But in hindsight, again, as, you, as I told you, when life gives you things that you don't really think that's for you, it gives you actually better things. And because of the business side in La Salle, I was able to use that. And I, I think because of that, again, I'm a very balanced designer. Mm-hmm. When I say a balanced designer, I try to balance commerce and creativity. I try to balance creativity and the business side. And that's why perhaps I'm still here after 26 years. Yeah. So it's it's like the saying, you know, when life gives you lemons, make lemonade. And you definitely made that. I can, you know, I can see how you took that opportunity to hone your business skills. And that really shines through because I've, you know, I've looked at your career and I've seen how it's it's not just about art and creating art. It's really about the business. You know, it's really about sustaining yourself and, and your advocacies, Raho. I mean, that's also very clear. So it's not like you're you're a one track you know, mind, you're actually balancing a lot of things. That's why I say, Sanai, when life gives you lemons, don't make lemonade, make lemon tarts, lemon pie. You can use lemon to clean walls. Repurpose, reuse, repurpose, you know, recreate. I hear you. I hear you. Everybody thinks of lemonade, but there's so much things to do with lemons. <laughs> and, and that's it, right? It's, there's always more possibilities than we can ever think of. But do you think these challenges like your father, you know, going to business school, having to be, you know, pulled back from, it's FIT, right? You were at FIT in New York. Yeah. Do you think all these challenges sort of helped to push you forward? Do you think they motivated you even further? Of course, because remember, for me, anything that you can't get, you actually will strive harder to achieve. It was almost like I have, I was a this workhorse, and they were dangling this carrot that said, okay, I want to be a designer. But every, everything they say, like for instance, my dad said, you can do whatever you want, just give me my business degree. Just give me the diploma. After that, you can do whatever you want. I And normally, and I took human resource management then, and it was supposed to be like a four-year course. I finished that in three. I just... You know, I was I was telling my teachers, give me all the courses, give me everything. I wanna I wanna be done with this. But the beauty about also let me tell you a story of serendipity. Back then, you're too young to know this. Back then, the designers were all in Malate, in Manila. La Salle 
in Manila. Right. And behind Rizal Stadium were all, were, were all the old amazing designers. And one day, again, my mom picked me up and that's when I realized that I was in a position of like, this is going to be amazing. Primarily because right behind the school, I would walk and I could apprentice with with the designer that she would that would be making my mom's dresses. His name was Louis Mamego. Literally a 10-minute walk. So all my breaks, I was there learning, watching, I was apprenticing. So while I was in school in La Salle, I was having this practical world of what it is to be like a designer in the Philippines. Of course, I had an idea in New York, but in the Philippines, it was very different. So I was very fortunate to already see what I can do, either improve on or not take in or borrow from all of these designers. And can you imagine, they were all in one hub, Sanaya. Amazing. They were all in Malate, all the designers. And some are still there, but, but most moved already. But during that period, all the designers were there. So I would take a jeep to Divisoria, find out where they buy it, talk to the manangs, talk to the seamstresses, really get practical information. So the, for the three years I was in La Salle, I was having a three-year massive education of the Philippine fashion landscape. And a lot of people might not know this, but that for me was a really giant lesson of life because it is not theory. It's real. I was in the back room and he was one of the best designers during the 90s and early 2000s. And what's happened then was right after college, I thought I had enough information. And I literally drew all my savings, all 20,000 pesos, and started my little shop. I started my little shop in a basement without windows, without air, air con, without an electric fan. And I started calling on my classmates making dresses. But I was doing this already even before because I was very enterprising. I think that's a side that, that perhaps has always been ingrained in me. My favorite story was my mom was telling me, you know, Rahul, you really knew how to make money already ever since you were a kid. Why? All I wanted my entire youth was a Barbie doll. Wow. That's all I wanted. But of course, nobody would give it to me. I asked Santa Claus year after year after year after year, give me a Barbie doll, but I want a Barbie doll. I have good grades. I, had, I was a good kid. But of course, every time I opened my Christmas presents, it would be Spider-Man. <laughs> And that's why (laughs) opening presents because I always get disappointed. And anyway, one day I said, I'm tired of this. I'm I'm tired of this. I remember I was probably nine or 10. I saw kittens in our village. I collected them, bathed them, put a little bit of perfume, powdered them, put ribbons (laughs) on. I sold them. I sold enough kittens that by the end of a few months, I was able to buy my very first Barbie doll. I bought it myself. And I remember her name was Christy. I don't even remember. Christy was the black Barbie doll. Yes. Because it was on sale because nobody wanted her. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and, I, and I, I had my first Barbie doll. And I did it on my own because nobody would give it to me. And my mom was like laughing at me because I was asthmatic. And there I was running after cats. And cats and asthma. Don't go together. I couldn't, I couldn't care less. I was, I was having asthma attacks, but at least I, I knew that by the end of a period, I could have enough money to buy my Barbie doll. So that's what I mean by saying that you need to want it bad enough. Yeah. That you'll, you'll figure it out by, by, by having a goal because a goal is very important. And that's, that's the thing that has stuck with me for since I was very young, that 
if I want something, I'll find ways to do it the most creative way, doing it just as long as I can have it. So I was very happy. I, I don't know where Christy is, but I remember <laughs> the time I, I think of my, my, my youth. Wow, because you know that's such an it's such an important lesson, as you said, to learn at you know age nine or ten. Because if you could make things happen for yourself at that age, you know, I mean, you are equipped with this for the rest of your life that you will always make things happen. It goes to what I was saying that sometimes no is the best answer to yes. Yes, that's so true. And that's why it's great for those people who have children. I mean, let your children figure it out. Let them work for it. Let them earn it. I remember I grew up in Japan in a small town called Kobe, and we lived in smaller houses. So you do everything yourself. So I was raised in a very independent and positive type of atmosphere because Japanese people, you know, they're really wonderful people. But they're really self-sufficient, self-reliant, very independent. And so I was raised in that kind of an environment. And my father would give me at that time, I remember, about 150 yen, which is like a dollar and 50 cents, to do chores around the house. I would vacuum our house. I would polish his bar. And I was really young. I was probably about seven or eight. And every Sunday, I would make a little bit of extra money doing all these chores for him. And so I'm raised in a kind of family, well, because my background is Indian. And in my culture, women are essentially meant to marry and have children. I mean, obviously, it's changed a lot, quite a bit since back then. But definitely, there is this idea in my culture that women take care of the home, they take care of the children, and men work. So that's the kind of culture in Indian families. But because my father started me young doing all these chores, and I had my first taste of you know, I can make my own money. So I went on to college in the US. I studied at the University of Pennsylvania. I worked as a fashion buyer for Saks Fifth Avenue. I started my own jewelry brand. And I did all of these things before I had a major life altering event. And I went into healing and spirituality. But I never lost sight of this interest in business, in entrepreneurship, which is why even though I'm a well-being coach, I'm a healer, I'm a speaker, for me, it's still exciting to be able to create something and to share it with everyone else. And so I created a healing center. I created a well-being center here in the Philippines and my first one in Dubai. And I found different ways to enjoy that entrepreneurial streak while still exploring my spirituality, exploring my well-being. And so I see what you're talking about because you're a designer. You're in an industry where you, you know, like you said, unboxing is exciting and there's a lot of, you know, a lot of consumption in this industry. And I too come from a fashion background. So I don't think we have to change that part of us or let that go. And I think there's this misconception that if you're going to be in well-being or you're going to focus on being healthy and doing yoga and meditation and getting into healing, then you can't be a normal person. You got to be one of those weird people. So I think that's something we really need to correct. And we need to understand that it's not strange and that this is actually the norm now. Life is about integrating this mindfulness aspect into our daily ritual and make it part of our lifestyle, not choosing one part of ourselves over the other. Nor do we have to lose our, you know, our fun self that wants to go out and hang out with our friends and, you know, and, and enjoy life. We need to actually integrate that part into the part of us that enjoys being alone, that enjoys meditation. So we need to learn to enjoy our 
external reality as well as explore our inner world. It's something that I believe in and I have to always sort of like apologize if it may seem to be mumbo jumbo or noonie noonie because it, for me, it's, 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 it's something very personal and, and, and sometimes it doesn't connect right away like the way we're connecting and especially in society here in the Philippines where everybody's a little bit more not yet that open to, to, to a lot of sort of like these new ideas, um, primarily because of the way we were colonized in Spain or by the fact that some of our religion is based a lot on fear and guilt. So, I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How do you see it changed, Raho? I mean, have you noticed the difference? Because that's what I'm seeing in the last five years in the Philippines. I do see there's a lot more openness to well-being. I mean, even things like depression. Nobody talked about depression and anxiety before. It was almost something people were embarrassed to talk about, something that made people feel or sound weak. But today I hear people talk about these things in social media. People aren't afraid anymore. And there's definitely an advocacy. People are taking on these kind of subjects. So how do you feel about that? And how do you feel about yourself as an advocate of well-being? I love it. I really appreciate it. Primarily because I, I know that it will help my nephews, my nieces, and uh, the people that I love. Sometimes when we talk about feelings, it's not very honest because you're always trying to protect yourself. So what I'm trying to uh, understand and propagate and share, not only with my friends, but also to the really my family who's very close to me. I talked to sort of like my nephews and nieces and said, how does it make you feel? Why does it make you feel angry? Because I think the ability to verbalize all of these feelings is very important. Like for me, I mean, when I get angry, I need, I'm like a volcano. I need to pull it out. I need to really uh, just put it out there. But I've learned the best way really is to write it out, write a letter. For instance, I'll share with you. I had a huge fight with my brother during this pandemic and I was really, really, really so upset. But I said, I'm not going to talk to you. You talk to me on the phone. Can, can I just write you an email tomorrow? But I can't process it right now because I might say things that I'll regret. But when you're writing things, so I wrote him like a eight or nine page letter, I'm able to edit, fix, fix the tone. I felt that was the best way to really make it clear without hurting anybody. And that for me is important. Communicating how you feel, whether it be depression, whether it be your feelings, it's just the ability to be completely honest without being judged. 
Because on the flip side of all of these things is that, oh my God, all of these people will sort of like judge you for all the things that you be vulnerable. But at the same time, the more you talk about it, the more everything becomes quite valid, that these are your feelings. And even your feeling angry, you still have to sort of like communicate it in the most positive way. And that's why I lo- that's why I love languages. And that's why this period of lockdown, I'm trying to like read more. Well, I'm going to share this to you. Have you ever re- read The Insults of Winston Churchill? You know, uh, a little bit, but not, I haven't actually, yeah, I don't know enough. I love the way he insults people because in, in, to paraphrase, insulting with eloquence is so important primarily because even if you tell someone to go to hell, he's going to enjoy the process of going there. That's why I love it because it makes you sort of like think. It makes you sort of like, instead of just saying all of a sudden the F word, there's so much ways to say the F word that, that, that will be more eloquent. And basically it stops the people on their, on their track and say, what did he just say? Instead of saying the F word. So all I'm saying is that there's lots of ways to communicate, to get your message through, but at the same time, make it really more meaningful and making it more beautiful and making it really make more sense. Every time I go to the city, I feel it. I feel the sort of like down the sense of just anger. And uh, I feel that we need to process that because it's this, I don't know about you, but I think we're in a time of change. And it's up to you and to us and the people who are a little more knowledgeable how to process this energy of change, how to transform it. There's a couple of things that you said that actually sparked a lot of thoughts in my own mind. So this idea that you shared with listeners about writing down your feelings is actually a great therapeutic tool. Sometimes people call it journaling. Sometimes people just write down their thoughts when they feel it. So I used to do this quite a bit when I was learning to deal with my own anger. Because, you know, our anger is not often at that person in that moment. It's all those people in our past that made us feel the same way. So you could be angry at a certain person, but it could be about 10 other people who inspired those same feelings of anger. And now all that anger is being directed to that one person in question. And that one person is triggering you in that moment. So I used to do the same thing as I would write emails and I would process and I'd keep re-editing the emails so that it sounded better. And at the end of the day, after the email sounded exactly how I wanted it to read, I would end up not sending the email because I would realize it's not really about that other person. It was always my issue. And I was just taking it out on the other person. Maybe I was blaming them for it, but it was really all my stuff. And I had to sort it out in my own space. So that was one of the learnings that I wanted to share. Another really important thing that you mentioned was communication and how to communicate with people. And so you were talking about eloquence and saying things in a beautiful way. But I think what you're also talking about is communicating in a way that doesn't offend the other person. That's why it's beautiful. That's why it's eloquent. Because at the end of the day, you're communicating in a way that's not going to make the other person feel defensive. It's in a way that the person won't feel attacked. They don't uh, react to it because the way you say it is beautiful. You know, like when I have an argument with my husband and if I say, oh, I'm sorry, I notice my husband is not quite convinced. You know, he he doesn't trust that that I really mean that sorry. 
And perhaps it sounds like it's just a remark to diffuse the argument. But what I did learn in one of my classes, and I use it all the time now, and I teach my students the very same thing, is that instead of saying sorry, replace that with I apologize or even please forgive me. And that is just a beautiful way of saying I'm sorry. And when you say that to somebody, you know, you say I apologize, please forgive me. Which, by the way, these words have a much higher vibration than just saying sorry. Sorry has become like an excuse today. We say sorry for every little thing. And most of the time, we don't even mean it. But when you say something like, please forgive me, and you know, it has a lot of humility in those few words, the other person will stop in their tracks. And there's no anger anymore. The anger just sort of diffuses. So if we stop attacking each other, then I think we will all shift in a way that we're starting to communicate and relate to each other from a place of love, that we start coming from a place of peace. Like on social media today, everyone's energies are just super sensitive right now. You know, super, so, super fragile and everyone's just ready to react to every single thing that happens. And there's a lot of issues in the world, things like Black Lives Matter, you know, all the different uh, disasters that are happening. There's a lot going on. And even politically, everyone has something to say about the government. Everyone has an opinion. But at the end of the day, these are all our judgments. And when we kind of send out all that energy of anger, then we have exactly what you're talking about, which is like you go into the city and you just feel like everyone is angry and stressed out. And you know, there've actually been studies that the more stressful energy there is in any space, the more likely it is to attract negative circumstances. But instead, if you pray or people are calmer in, say, in face of an environmental disaster that's coming, that disaster actually does not come. So there's been some studies done on tribal people in a certain um, area, and there was supposed to be like a typhoon coming. And of course, all the government officials were asking these tribal communities to evacuate. But, you know, these tribal communities, they're so much more in touch, in tune with nature. And they chose to stay in the face of an oncoming disastrous typhoon. And what they did is they prayed and they sent a lot of energy of love and that typhoon never came. And that's a true story. And I love sharing that story because it's really about energy and it's really about what we're putting out there. Like, have you noticed every time there's supposed to be a typhoon, so we get one of those announcements that there's a typhoon the next day. So everyone's kind of like in a good mood because there's no school or there's no work the next day. And then we wake up the next morning and instead of a typhoon, it's a beautiful sunny day. So all our, you know, excitement about getting the day off actually diffuses the typhoon. That's what I believe. And I also think that we are impacting the world around us all the time, from the environment to how our government officials behave to how the people around us behave. You know, when we're putting out negativity, we're just going to get a lot of negativity back. And right now, everyone is so frustrated and angry about the pandemic, about the coronavirus, about the government. And all we're doing is creating more of that negativity. I mean, the, the mere fact that you actually uh, lived in Japan, I love how they process calamities and adversities because uh, I have very close ties with Japan. I went to, my parents were married there. I went to part of my school was there. So I've learned to sort of like also process how they would tackle adversity. 
and uh, energy. And I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned doing it calmly and quietly. Also, when, when you say about words, sometimes, actually more often than not, actions are just as important as words. Absolutely. And what we're thinking and what we're speaking and even the actions that come from our thoughts and from our words. I mean, we're making an impact on people all around us in this world. We're constantly influencing people, whether we realize it or not. And so I think that's really, really important. I love, that's why I love podcasts, primarily because all our senses are already sort of like bombarded with imagery. But sometimes if you just listen to things and you just sort of like remove one sense, for instance, in this case, you remove the sense of sight, you get to attune yourself more to a higher frequency. And for me, that's one of the lessons perhaps that I, I've learned because you tend to use your other facilities more once you remove something out. So it's not so encompassing and you tighten and you tighten all the different senses. Which is what meditation is, right, Rahul? At the end of the day, right? We're taking away a sense to really experience everything internally. And, and that's what heightens I'm not, I'm not very good at it, but I'm trying. <laughs> I mean, the fact that you do it every day, you know, I, I don't think meditation is something that we have to be good at. Either we do it or we don't. You do. You know, Raho, as I look at you, you really just have this aura and energy of calm. It's like you're at a very different stage of life. So people go through very different stages in their lives. When we're younger, we're a little bit more, you know, irresponsible with our actions. We're aggressive. We have this kind of, you know, like excess energy. And then we grow up to become adults where it's all about creating and doing. It's all about the action. It's about how we express ourselves, how we validate who we are. And eventually we go on to the stage where we become the sage energy. And that sage energy is someone who has accumulated a lot of experiences and a lot of wisdom from it. They've been there. They've done that. They've had their successes. They've created a lot of things. They've expressed themselves. They found themselves. And now they're just really happy to be who they are. No excuses anymore. They're kind of just, you know, they're all about helping, giving back, sharing. There's no need to fight back or to protect themselves. Instead, there's this energy and aura of just openness, of wanting to help and serve others. You know, of being someone who's just very comfortable with who they are and where they are in their life. And that's the kind of feeling I'm getting from you. You're really at that sage stage. Do you agree with me? Is this how you feel? Yes, I do. But it's sort of like, okay, I, I, I guess it's true. I'm old. <laughs> but it's not really age, Raho. It's not rage. It's not age. Because it's, it's more about maturity. It's about maturity and it's about our mind sort of getting to that place where we've conquered a lot of our fears. True. But I'm still at this, at this stage in my mindset of learning. Yeah. I'm still open to really understanding more and learning more and finding ways to be able to be more compassionate and to be more of service. That's, that's where uh, I want to be. That's where I aim to be because there's so many people who need help and what you're doing is helping so many people. I'm grateful for that. In my case, I'm also thinking of ways of how we can help people on, 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 a, on a way that can really be profound 
not just putting food on their table, but really on a found aspect of changing their lives for the better. So that's what I want to do. So Raho, I want to stress on something you said. You you said that it's extremely important that we know why we do what we do, that knowing ourselves is our inner compass that will help us navigate towards achieving our goals and dreams in life. So where, where is it taking you now? You know, what's next? What, what is going on now for you? It's difficult to say that because in terms of like my business, we, we need to be more careful about how we treat the pandemic. But at, the, at this point, I, we just had a big meeting with my uh, family. It's a family-owned business and had a big meeting with my team and my family. We're really trying to shift moment to uh, have this mindset of creativity with compassion. So that's one thing that I want to sort of like really redirect energy storage to. But at the same time, being still true to our core values, we're still going to be making clothes. We're still going to make people beautiful, but we're going to have them, or basically we have to make them feel beautiful in a way that's correct, that's right, that's not too much, that's not overtaxing, that's not sort of like we're pulling our hair out, trying to sort of like play that imaginary marathon of a rat race that we used to be. So right now it's all about that. And I'm also busy about uh, writing my book. Essentially it's creativity during the time of the pandemic. So my friend and I have been asked to do certain information now to be more creative in with little. So my, my partner Nix has uh, got to be quite a, a great Ikebana uh, artist. Both of us have started to be really creative cooks with very little. So we're going to share that. That's one of the things. And basically, that's I really haven't planned a lot. What I do, what I do know is I want to learn more. So I really find ways to sort of like enrich myself in the knowledge of other things beyond making clothes. Uh, and I'm glad we're having this conversation because you're helping me so much uh, visualize and internalize this path of trying to, to, to be more useful. I think purpose is very important in anybody's life. And I think what's happening now is we need to really attune ourselves to the frequency of becoming of true purpose. So, no. Wow. Attuning yourself to true purpose. Creativity with compassion. Rahul, you are completely on a roll. I mean, every single thing you're saying is just so meaningful, so powerful. And I've noticed this, Raho, even in the collection you just created as well, the Hacienda collection. It's really about, you know, finding more meaning in what you're doing. I mean, up until now, life seems to be a very fast paced for you. You've had a lot going on, lots of rewards, recognition, different shows and so on. But ever since lockdown, and I guess this is the big lesson too, we really can't plan for anything. For me, I always sort of like say yes to opportunities. Even if I'm not ready, like for instance, with all of this that happened during lockdown, for instance, when we shifted our operation towards making PPEs, we shifted the first week of the lockdown. We didn't know how to do it. I mean, we had to learn and we had to start like really... Thankfully, we have CCTVs here. So I, we focus the CCTV on the cotton table and I was on the phone. Okay, show me how that's done. Do, you know, even I didn't know how to make surgical gowns. I mean, I'm used to making wedding gowns and now we're doing surgical gowns and protective wear garments. But that's what you need to do. You just sort of like figure it out and, and find ways. And because 
I guess that's my true nature. I'm very the type of person who was who always tell myself, you know, yes. And then when this laptop closes, I'm gonna how do you do that? <laughs> <laughs> but 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 be also be honest enough to say, hey, I don't know this. You Teach. figure it out, or, or yeah, or, or get more get help because get help. I'm not going to be the first person to say I really don't know that. I'll I'll try. That's what I always say. I'll really do my best. I'll try. But the opportunities that have come towards me is all about that. For instance, again, the, sh- the fashion show. Um, can you imagine? We didn't have internet there, but we were able to do it. Amazing. And we, we didn't have the, 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 the necessary tools. And that's why I believe in the Philippines so much. And that's why I'm, I'm grateful that you're here because I love my country. And no matter how much turmoil and no matter how much... Um, negative energy it's going through now, I think we're going to just learn from all of this. And we need to really, really learn from it and 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 and, and um, utilize the information so that we can transfer it to the general masses to make their lives better. We right. we are of privilege, Sanaya. I mean obviously we have been more informed, more educated, even better fed. But at the same time, that does not give us the excuse not to be able to, again, widen our horizon. And this is a very powerful tool. And we have to use it in the best way that we can. And that's perhaps, I don't know, one of the reasons and one of the rationales I still wake up in the morning with that energy to sort of like figure things out because we're still figuring things out. And maybe that's life. That's purpose. And everything you're talking about goes back to those lessons, you know, when you were nine or 10 and you realize that you could make it happen. You'll figure out a way, you know, and you're so right about, you know, translating all of this to the rest of the population. That's partly why I started the podcast. You know, I have my, my business, I have a well-being center, you know, I have, I have plenty of clients and classes and a lot going on, but I wanted to do this podcast because for me, if you're just serving a small group of people, you know, you're constantly working with them and it's comfortable and you're making a difference, you're helping them, but it's still being in your own comfort zone. It's easy. And you're not really opening yourself up to impacting the larger global community. And we all have the potential to inspire change in the world. I remember something that Gandhi said, it takes only one candle to light a thousand. So it's really about sharing and being inclusive and helping everyone, making it accessible to everyone and not just a small group of people. So I really believe in that. Let me help you make your ripple a tidal wave. Oh, I would love that. That's also what it's about. It's, you know, one person helping another. It's about, you know, the domino effect of, you know, enough people changing the way they think and look at the world. And that's what's going to change the world, right? Fingers crossed. Of course. But I think think there's a lot of people in the same frequency already and in the same mindset. And I think eventually... I know, I know this will be better. And you know what? These are the people who are listening to this podcast, people who share the same mindset. These are the people who are going to affect other people around them. That's why we're doing this. That's why we're sharing this. Now, I want to know a little bit about this hashtag that you put on a lot of your social media posts, Bukid Life. (laughs) I love that. Tell me more about that. Bukid in Tagalog is the country 
it's the it's it's the garden. Obviously, life is life, and I love the bukid life primarily because it's again a, a, a sense of grounding, a sense of being much intuitive and in tune with nature. It's also embracing a simple a simple a simpler lifestyle, a, a lifestyle that's not excessive a lifestyle that utilizes everything that's around you towards to your benefit is also slower. So a bukid life is that mindset, the philosophy of, of just taking it a, lo- a couple of notch lower so that you're mindful of, of consumption, you're mindful of waste, you're mindful of um, how to consume things. And basically also realizing that if you can if you have the opportunity to grow things, grow it because you appreciate it more. You know where it's coming from. And you begin to realize how difficult it is. Or even, in fact, when we eat rice, we realize how difficult it is to grow rice. A lot of people might think it comes from, let's say, a bag, but it's actually a back-breaking work. Because I was able to sort of like, I mean, I've, I had that information in the back of my head, but now I see it. I, I was able to sort of like really communicate with my neighbors and, and, and how difficult their lives are and the, 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 my sense of appreciation for the really the most basic, simple things turned out to be this beautiful. So you're talking about mindfulness. You're talking about reconnecting with people. You're talking about becoming aware of what's going on in the world around you, right from your neighbor to what's happening on the world stage. But at the end of the day, when we come down from the castle that we all live in, and you're listening to everyone else's story, do you get affected by that? Does it make you sad sometimes? And how do you process and deal with that? It makes it gives me an opportunity to find ways to make their lives a little better. Better, yeah. Um, so I, my, my, maybe it's also part of my DNA, my, my family has been in public service for a long time. I shied away from it. My father was the governor of Batangas many, many years. Okay. My father was the president of this country. So there's just really an innate sense of public service. service. But because I don't like politics, I just don't like the energy of it. I just detest it. It, it really does... It, it really does something to me that I almost like go in hives when I think about the political process. But it does not stop my mind of helping and finding ways in order to really help my neighbors and the, and the people who live in my community. Because I always believe that in order to help, you don't really just help the world. You really just help slowly the people around you. Yes. And you and infect this cycle again of helping others until it becomes bigger and bigger and bigger. And, bigger. and like, like, like what I said to you, let me help you, your, your ripple, make, make it a tidal wave. And now I'm still concentrating on that ripple, still concentrating on that ripple of realizing that, you know, sad as it may be, like I have water where I, I stay in Nasumbu, but my goodness, 150 paces away, they have to go to a well the bottom and the water doesn't come up to them and that's not right that's for me that's not right so immediately i called um some people because of i'm of certain influence and i call them why did why do we have water and why don't they have water what's the difference and essentially they're figuring it out right now because obviously where i am they put pipes but where my neighbors are they don't have pipes and these are the same people who live in the same community how come they don't have so these are the things that are going on in my head that that sense of balance yeah. And that's why it always goes back to my sense of not contentment, but just 
creating balance, not just for myself, but for everyone involved. And that's so important. Water is so important. And I, 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 and I walked that, I walked there, how they got water. Because I went to them during the lockdown, we were all healthy, we were all protected. But I, I wanted to, so I asked, where did you get your water? And then there's no there in the well. Where, what well? Basically, it was almost like a, a long walk and they would carry these sort of like, it was in, insane. I mean, we live in the 22nd century already yeah. and I don't understand why we have water and they don't. And that's, and that's what I, I mean, that little thing, I want to change that. Yeah. That unfairness that you see around you. I want to change that, not only in the city, but it's, it's difficult because it's many, many centuries of that. But at least the basic services, we should be able to sort of like find. So, and, you know, I mean, knock on the people who make decisions and, and decisions that will really make people's lives better. Because that's, that simple thing as water that, that I, I, I can't accept that and I won't accept that. I know it's basic, but yet a lot of people don't have access to it. You know, and just helping one person sometimes is is more important than, you know, trying to help many people who who may not even want that help. You know, so it's like at the grassroots level, which I'm hearing. The same the same seed of 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 helping others that that always draw drew me towards uh, my projects such as Advanced to Riches and such as the Asian Culture Council, and also right now, I mean, we're, we're, we're our, my design community, the Philippine design community, is trying to band together to move forward. Because I think collectively, it's very important that you collect all of these energies in order to move forward. Because, you know, as you know, you can't create a movement by yourself. But you need to be able to listen, process, and uh, move forward. And it takes a um, a highly empathic human being in order to really understand this. Agreed. In fact, you know, when I saw how people in, in different industries, in the fashion industry, were banding together, the amount of people who just switched to making PPEs and masks, I mean, phenomenal. And it was, it was so quick how you and so many reacted. You know, it's just like, okay, we have a problem. We have a solution now for it. And I think that's also kind of that mindset you talked about, which is challenge accepted. You know, I'm going to take whatever the challenge is. I'm going to accept it and I'm going to do something about it. You know, my neighbor doesn't have access to water. I'm going to do something about it. And, you know, you mentioned, Raho, about it's all about finding that balance inside and then mirroring it out to the world. So now that you've found your own personal balance, you're, you're seeking, you know, you're looking to create balance around you. And that's purpose, right? That's your purpose. And, and it's, I know, right? As I'm saying it, I'm just excited, you know, talking to you. I'm, I feel so excited because when, and it's, it's like you said, you know, it's a movement. It's people banding together. It's people thinking the same way. That's going to really transform our world. And then action action and what you've been doing right right from rags to riches and all the different collaborations you have been taking action so i have no doubt you know that in this next phase it's going to be a lot of action for you i i, I want to I, I i really want to and it's going to happen sanaya because we need to we do that's the responsibility right of being a global citizen you know at some point 
And I, and I don't think it's at that point where we're not st- settled or stable in our life. I think it's when we've gotten to a certain level of success, we've sort of found ourselves. That's when we are of use to other people. You know, that's when our influence can actually make a difference. There's a, there's a big difference between sort of like a loud gong sound of just being noisy and, you know, rah-rah people. But there's also a big difference about using that particular noise, making significant changes because uh, I'm wary about uh, all that noise you know we live in so much noise and that's why it's important yeah. for me to focus because that noise is important yes but you need to channel that into something that's really more productive and above all positive and positive and not just like you know fake positivity but Right. So how do you hear yourself, Raho, among all the noise that's out there? How do you stay balanced and grounded? So what I really want to know is, you know, and, and this podcast is called Project Loving Myself for that reason. What do you do in the act of loving yourself? I am very fortunate because I surround myself with people who I trust and I care for. And that's why I'm always surrounded by my family and who have become truly my harshest critics and my sounding board. I mean, they're the people I trust and I listen to. And once I get out of line, I do. They, they all automatically oh, hold accountable. <laughs> what did you just say? You know, I mean, what did you just post? What did, or what did, what did you just say? I mean, Honestly, it's, it's, it's about that, about making sure that you feel also that you are not the, all that, that you need people to, who will hold you down, who will tell you the who will fluff your feathers and breathe, your, breathe fire to your ego. But at the end of the day, really care about you, care enough that, and maybe because I, I've been doing this for so long, I can already see through the smoke screen and this and, and distill and sift through the people who I want to enter in my life versus the, 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 versus the people who are just there for decoration. And then you pass through that. And once you go through that, you keep all of these people close to your heart because they're the ones who are going to tell you and put you in your place. And often then I appreciate that. I really appreciate people who will call me out and say, I don't like what you said and express it to me in the way that I will understand why you don't like what I said. And, and for me, understanding also the fact that they're coming out of a place of love, out of a place of concern, out of a place of, of realization that I'm telling you this because I love you and I don't want you to continue this path, this path because it's wrong. Yeah. So there, I'm, I, I mean, for, for all those people who are listen, listening, it's very important to, to surround yourself with the people who, that you can hold on to. These are your foundations. These are your roots. These are the people. Your tribe. Your tribe. Yeah, your tribe. These are the people who will sort of like hold on to you. And sometimes they're family, sometimes they're friends, sometimes, you know, but you need to be able to have the tools in order to decipher who your tribe is. And that takes a while. That take, yeah. takes a bit of time to to... You know, and maybe Sanai can teach you how to do this. <laughs> I, <guess laughs> I guess it's about trust, though, Raho. It's about trust. And I think the key, and this is what I see, you have the ability to listen. Because so many people may have these, you know, well-wishers around them or people who love them. And sometimes if you're not going to listen, then that's not going to help. 
but the other, you know, the flip side of it is sometimes you have the wrong people around you. And that's really, you know, about trial and error, learning to trust, but trusting yourself too. You know, I think if you trust yourself and you believe in yourself, you'll really have the kind of people around you who will mirror that too. Correct. I mean, it's also sometimes a, 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 a physical feeling. When, when, you know, I, 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 how, do, how do I put it? You remember when they tell you to trust your gut? Yes. It really happens. Intuition. It really happens to me. Intuition. Yeah, they're right. Intuition. So, but it takes a while to, to be able to really fully trust your gut when you, when you, when you actually want to open yourself to a person and, 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 and just bear your soul. And there's also some people, oh, I don't, I don't feel like yeah. enough. So, but it takes a while and don't be in a hurry to all the listeners out there to, to you know, to find their foundation to define your tribe. It takes time. I think we all have kind of like an internal barometer, you know, like you, you meet someone and you just know that this is going to be someone you are going to get along with. And then there are other people that you're just like, eh, you know, just not my energy and you walk away and that's okay. And I think it has a lot to do also with exploring yourself you know, trusting and sort of and don't feel and don't and don't make you don't don't feel bad that, that yeah don't feel bad that you feel that way. It takes a while to to get there, but yeah, I've I've, I've learned that lesson the hard way. <laughs> Hold up, what was that? Boring, no flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. So, among your group of friends, Raho, you know, has it changed? as you've changed in life? Is it a tight-knit community of people mm-hmm. that, you know, you spend your time with? Or what's it like to be you? I have, I, you know, I'm very lucky because my, between my partner and I, we have so many friends, but we do have a core group. I have a core group. In fact, my, my partner and I have a core group, but myself, I have a core group. And that core group really is just four people. Yeah. That I run to. I mean, I may, I, I may appear to have lots of lots of friends. I do, and I accept that. But my core tribe, as you say, is very little. Just four people who, are, who I know that I can run to and, they, and I will run to and I know that I can hold on to and I know that whatever happens, we'll be there for each other. So you find those people. And, it, and, and once, you, once you find them, you, you, you grow with them and, you, and you, you establish a deeper relationship with them. And um, I'm grateful for, for these four individuals who who's been by my side. It's quality over quantity. That's one. It's actually true. You know, as, more, as we get more and more empowered, our core group will get smaller and smaller. Because now it's really about those few people who you can really connect with and trust. And there's no need to kind of be everywhere and anywhere. Right? Absolutely. Absolutely correct. Raho, tell me about self-care. What do you do for self-care? So I'm talking a little bit more like physical, mental, nutrition, those kind of things. Okay. I have, I have way too much nutrition in, <laughs> in me. But I love massages. 
So yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I miss so much because right now it's very difficult and it's almost impossible to get one. However, I changed that to hikes and I changed that activity to Pilates and a little bit of a little bit of yoga. I used to do it more, but now I'm starting again. But I love right now biking. It's very important that you release energy so you feel better about yourself. So that's part of my self-love. And also, I love feeding people. So that's one way of showing self-love by preparing things and, and, and sharing what I've learned. And also... And you're quite experimental with... Right? I, I've seen, I'm salivating while I see your pictures. I'm like, wow, that is, I want to be there at that dinner table. <laughs> well, let, me, let me tell you, half of it just looks good. Half of it are like, ah! <laughs> they're pretty, but sometimes they're not that edible. But anyway, um, for me, self-love is also taking time out for myself. And basically, because I'm always, I mean, my business and my service is always about breathing out, giving, 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 giving. That's why the house was built. That's why the beach house was built. Because at the end of the week, I need to recharge, shut out. You know, it just happened. It became an extended period. But that was, that was built for that purpose of isolation, of just recharging batteries, literally recharging batteries. Because my line of business is really assessing people, making them feel better, realize, and, and absorbing some of that negative energy sometimes. Because self-worth and self-value in my line of work is very, um, remove that. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm the closest thing you can get to a doctor because people remove their clothes in front of me. And I get that body positivity and body negativity. And we literally, we talk. I mean, before I design, we literally talk. I mean, a good 50, like this, a good 20 minutes before I start designing. So tell me, you know, how can, what, for instance, my very first question is where you're going to. And then secondly, what are you most um, comfortable with in terms of your body structure? What do you hate in, on your body? What do you love? So in my mind, while that conversation takes place, I, I'm already essentially assessing how I can make the best dress and the best, best garment for the person. Because it's really all about two things, how they perceive and how they look at themselves. Everything, I mean, no, no, you know, even in fact, my experience has proven to me, even the most, in fact, the most beautiful women are the most insecure. And that's what I give them, a sense of security, a sense of place, and a sense of armor. That uh, and that takes a while. That takes a lot of toll on a person. That you, you you process it. I mean, I used to see fourteen people a day, and in and out, you know, and and, and figuring and analyzing and, and and working through all their insecurities. And in, and in many ways, like you, the main difference is you work all over. I just work on the outside, trying to connect to the inside, and shining through because of this particular garment. But that self love is realizing that you need to take time. To yourself, for you, yeah. In in as much as I'm such a people person, you also need to sort of like take a few days just for yourself. And I used to have that. I mean, I wanted to have that. That's why I built the the, the rest house, the beach house. Yeah, so it was a quick getaway. But now that I'm longer there, I mean, I'm realizing more things. Yeah. So Raho, you do realize you're you're a healer. I am. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, basically, I mean, everything well, I you described, a- everything you described is what I do with my clients. 
Okay. Except I go a little bit deeper into the psyche and into the mind, but you're a healer, you know, you're essentially helping people work through their issues. I didn't know that. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you're you. welcome. You know, it's natural. It's something that comes naturally. I'll, I'll add that. <laughs> <laughs> we learn something new about ourselves every day. That's what I, that's what I meant, that, I, that you have to be open and uh, open to learning. <laughs> and and that you are you know i'm i'm learning also you know that's the wonderful thing about the podcast is with every guest i'm learning you know my guest is learning and we're all collaborating and and sharing positive energy you know and and impacting people with our stories raho this has been really an amazing conversation I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's, uh, you know, it's not so common for me to, to meet people who are just like-minded. And I, I think maybe also secretly, that's why I started the podcast is to find more people who I can connect with on this kind of a level. And this conversation has been really, I'm sure, fascinating for our listeners. I'm sure they've learned a lot and we've gotten to know a very different side of you, Raho. A side that I hope you will share with more people because you really have some powerful things to say. Thank you. Well, thank you. Well, may your tribe thrive and prosper. Thank you. Once again, listeners, thank you to Raho. Raho, do you have any final messages for our listeners? Anything you'd like to share with them? Yeah, I just want to say thank you, Sanaya, for inviting me. Uh, I've learned so much today. To all the listeners, just, just be happy. And this all shall pass as well. Absolutely. Really. Raho, um, if you would like to share or if you don't mind sharing your details on Instagram, I mean, if I'm so inspired by your words, I'm sure there will be so many more people who could benefit. So maybe your social media details, if you'd like to share. My social media, at Raho Laurel. And well, if you want to follow my stores, it's house, at House of Laurel and the Raho store. That's it. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you to our listeners out there. I'm sure you were hanging on to every word Raho had to say, just as I was. What I love about this podcast is we get to see a completely different side of our guests, perhaps a side of themselves that they keep private, or maybe they just never had the right platform to share it. Raho gave us a glimpse of what it's like to be a designer, to be from his world, and still be able to connect and relate to all of us through topics like meditation. He talked about connecting with people, finding balance, learning to slow down and pause. And I think what was really amazing is his drive to be of service to other people, to be of service to his country. That is something really to recognize and honor. And from my perspective, it's one thing to be traveling on our own journey of well-being and a whole different thing to band together with other people who are like-minded, people who want to change the world and to walk the journey together. And we are all here with a purpose to help ourselves and to help other people. And so I'm so grateful to have guests like Raho and the other guests on this show that are here to impart this kind of wisdom, to share their story and to inspire all of you and me to do better, to be better and to make a difference. I leave our session today with a sense of hope in my heart that there are really some changed makers out there who will pave the path for others. 
Now let me know what you think and tell me about how this episode made you feel. Don't forget to follow at Project Loving Myself Podcast on Instagram, Project Loving Myself on Facebook, and Sanaya Gurnamal on all social media channels. That's S-A-N-A-I-Y-A-H-G-U-R-N-A-M-A-L. On that note, thank you for joining me this week on the Project Loving Myself podcast, where you invest in yourself and you open your mind to let new ideas in to support you on your own path of well-being. Our Project Loving Myself thought for the week, be the inspiration behind your own story. Now enjoy your week and remember, you are loved. See you soon on another episode of Making It All About You on the Project Loving Myself podcast, powered by Podcast Network Asia.